Okay, so why don't you uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I've titled this message, Jesus First. And uh, it's really our vision weekend, and some of you are saying, well, I thought we are having a meeting for that. The meeting is the vision for the church, like our, as an organization, what we're doing, how we're doing things, and so forth. Today is really about vision for you, for me, as individuals. What is our vision? Because what is the church anyway? It's made up of people. We are the church. It's not a building. This might be a church building, but the church is the body of Christ. So it's really a vision for us. And so I titled this Jesus First, and you'll understand more as we get through the message and so forth. And it's really about our priorities, our priorities in life. It's a very valuable thing that we do and how we spend our time, the decisions that we make. So you're there in Matthew 6. Let's start in verse 25. Jesus talking to his disciples and followers. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Well, let's stop right there. He's given a strong message in this part about worry, about not worrying. In fact... I went through there and counted in the passage we're going to read here in a moment. Six times he's going to talk about worry. Don't worry. I would say he's got a strong message for us, right? Because what do we have trouble with? Worry. We all do. And if you say you don't, then you have a problem with lying and worrying, okay? (laughs) So we all do. Uh, It kind of reminds me, I I was uh, very worried about a guy recently because I heard that he he was... uh, in a bad place in his life, he was, I was really worried about him because he was drinking brake fluid. And I was like, brake fluid? Why are you drinking brake fluid? He, I'm really worried about it. He said, don't you worry. I can stop any time. <laughs> oh, come on. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, let's get back to the text. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. You know, see, see what Jesus is doing now? He's not just teaching a principle of what not to do. He's going to give them an analogy. They were likely outdoors, so he's saying, hey, look at those birds, the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life. That's so true. Do you, do you, does worrying really accomplish anything? You know, it does just the opposite, doesn't it? It robs us of energy moving forward. Some of you are in a paralysis. You're like stuck in life because of worry. And so what Jesus is saying, you can't add anything to your life by worrying. But here's our first statement. Look at it on the screen. Creation displays God's care. When you look around and you see God's creation, he's saying, you look at the birds. And in a moment, he's going to tell us to look at the flowers. He said, the the creation shows that God cares. But worry is faith that God won't provide. See, when we worry, it's like a faith, but it's a faith in negative. 
It's like, I don't think you're going to come through, God. And so it's a reminder of what uh, Jesus is telling us here is be careful about worrying. Look at what's going on. Look how I take care of creation. You are so much more valuable than the birds. Verse 28. Why do you, uh, and, and why do you worry about clothes? Now, I think he wrote that to all you ladies. <laughs> Not too many guys worry about clothes, but I tend to know, I don't know how I know that, but I um, <clears throat> uh, tend to know ladies tend to be concerned about clothes a little bit more, but Look what he says here. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Then look what he says. You of little faith. Do you see how he attaches worry with little faith? And, you know, we, we live in a time where probably most of us don't worry about whether we're going to get fed or not. It's like we're worried about what restaurant do we go to, or we worry about that we're eating too much, but we still have worries, don't we? But think about most of the world, there is a lot of worry about whether there's food, whether there's adequate shelter and, and all the type of stuff. But... It, it, Wherever you go, there's, there's opportunities for, for there to be worry. So verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, in other words, people that don't believe in God, they run after all these things. In other words, that's, that's their focus in life. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he brings it back to, again, back to God knowing what we need, that he wants to care for us. Now, the rest of this passage I have up on the screen because I know some of you, because I can see from up here, some of you don't have Bibles. And I really want you to see this next part of the passage because Jesus doesn't just tell us what not to do. He doesn't just say, don't worry and move on. He tells us the solution for worry. That's a good thing, right? Don't tell me just what not to do. Tell me what to do. And here he tells us. But... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. What are all these things? All the things that we might be running after, worried about. All the other things are going to happen as we get our priorities in line, as we seek first God, as we seek the Lord, as we seek his kingdom first, everything else will fall in place. Therefore, he tells us again, in case we haven't gotten it yet, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, and it's even interesting how Jesus says it that way. He's not acknowledging like that everything's going to be a bed of roses, right? He's saying, yeah, there is problems. There's problems in this earth. There will be, things will happen. But not to still, don't worry. Put the Lord first. And I will take care of you. Everything will fall in place. So here's the big question. You see at the bottom, we see already what we're supposed to do. How do we seek first the kingdom of God? Isn't that a fair question with what we just read? How do we seek first the kingdom of God? Well, I'm glad you asked because this is what the rest of the message is going to be about. 
How practically do we seek first the kingdom of God? And this is where the vision has come forth for us as individuals for this next year. It should be for every year, but really highlighting it for this year. Our vision is that we want to seek Jesus first. We want Jesus first in our lives. And as a result, that is our vision that we're rolling out to you right now. Jesus first. Seem right? We are going to give you at the end the wristbands. You see, I'm wearing one right now. You'll see a picture of it come up on the screen. Jesus first. And uh, we really want to encourage you as a reminder to wear it. I know some of you don't, oh, it doesn't fit my fashion and so forth, but Seek Jesus first, okay? Seek his kingdom. And it's got Calvary Chapel in small little fonts, but Jesus first in the large font. We wanted to make sure that that was the right way. We got our little logo on there with the crosses, uh, the cross, excuse me. And uh, we want you to, and, and it, when we give these out at the end, if you say, man, I got a small wrist, this is too big, then go to our information center. We have youth sizes as well. And if you'd rather have one in Spanish, we have them in Spanish. Our Calvary Chapel Espanol have them in, in, in Spanish. But this, we, we did this years ago where we had these wristbands. By the way, I say wristband because men don't like to wear bracelets usually. You ladies can call them a bracelet. I'll call it a wristband. But they're great little reminders. First of all, I've been, since I just started wearing this, I constantly see it, I feel it, and I was like, Jesus first. I mean, it's, a, it's a reminder. Also, when you're out in the community, you're going to start to see these on other people. You're like, oh, Calvary Chapel. And all of a sudden, you may have a, a conversation starter with somebody that you didn't know, but go to the same church you go to. They're part of your family. Or somebody's going to say, what is that on your wrist? What is that about? And it's a door opener where you can get, start a conversation with someone by just having a bracelet. And those type of things happen. So I just want to encourage you, if you're not wearing it, we're not sending the bracelet police after you or anything like that, okay? It's always up to you. It's up between you and the Lord and so forth. But we just want to make it not just words. We want it to be our heart. And sometimes we need reminders, right? So how do we keep Jesus first? How do we have Jesus first in our lives? Well, first of all, it starts with our relationship with the Lord. I hope you all have a relationship with the Lord. I hope that your sins have been forgiven, that you've given your life to Christ. If you haven't, at the end of the service, going to encourage you to do that. We'll be glad to pray with you. Your name will be written in the book of heaven, where you know that you will spend eternity in heaven when you die because your sins have been forgiven. It starts with a relationship with the Lord. And what do we do after we give our life to Christ? What's the, what's the public profession of our faith? baptism. Yes, you got it. Baptism. So again, we have a baptism next weekend. Just encourage you to take that step. There will be no waves in the tanks. Some of you don't like to go to the ocean when we have baptisms. Oh, those waves scare me. Trust me, there will be no waves in that tank. And, uh, and if you were saying, well, I really want to wait for the beach. Well, then wait. We'll have one in, in May and, and we'll have three of them in the summer months and so forth. But baptism is a way we public profess. So, but when Jesus called people into a relationship with him, he would say these words. His disciples, he said this. Come, what? Follow me. He didn't say come follow Calvary Chapel. Come follow a group of people. He said come follow me. 
So as we put Jesus first, we are really, it's about discipleship. It's about following Jesus. It's not about the church. Even though we are church and we're his body, it's really about Jesus. So can we all agree on that? It's Jesus first, that we want to keep our priorities straight. Now, we might be a place where we can come together and worship and do fun stuff together and study the word, but it's really Jesus first. So here, I'm going to share with you what we call our seven discipleship values. They're very practical on how to put Jesus first. So we've already talked about Jesus first. Now, how do we do it? Number one, spend time with Jesus. If, if, you, if he's first, you've got to prioritize your time. You've got to spend time with him. Look at Mark 1. This is Jesus showing it that he did it himself. He spent time with his father. Mark 1, 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Do you have a solitary place where you pray? Do you have a place? Do you take time to pray, to spend time? Spend time in his word, to pray, to worship. It's so important. Jesus modeled it. And we need this in our own individual lives. I want you to turn in your Bibles now to uh, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We'll be starting in verse 38 here in a moment. But as you think about spending time with Jesus... Um, for me, this is, this is the most important part of my life, that I get to spend time with my Creator, my Lord, my God, my King, my Savior. I get to do that. I don't have to do that. And for me, this is how I do it. And it's interesting because we had Pastor David up here two weeks ago talk about journaling. We had Pastor TJ last week talk about journaling. I'm going to mention journaling because it's a part of my spending time with Jesus, is that I have a Bible and I have a journal, and every morning I sit in the same place. I've been doing this for well over 20 years. Same chair. Yes, it's getting a little worn out, but I like it. It conforms to my body just fine. <laughs> but I remember what it was like when we had three kids in the house, and there was a lot of noise in the house in the morning. And I wanted solitary time with Jesus. You know what I did? <laughs> I had earplugs. <laughs> Stuck them in my ears. I tuned things out. So I could hear the voice of the Lord as I'm reading, as I could cut out the other sounds. Now, Barb doesn't make that much sound, so I, doesn't, I don't have to use the earplugs. But, uh, uh, you know, it's just part of a practical thing. Find what works for you. I know some people, they go to work 15 minutes early. They sit in the parking lot in their car, and they have their quiet time there. Find what works for you. Find a solitary time. And when I journal... Here's what I do. I, I learned this from Pastor Mark many years ago, and it really has stuck with me. It's a great system. I have a little spiral notebook, and the first thing I write at the top is yesterday. And I journal a few things from yesterday. How did I do? Did I have problems? Did I, did I blow it? Did I, do I need to repent of something? Yesterday. Then the next part I write is Bible. And I usually go through one chapter of the Bible, verse by verse, and as I'm reading, when I feel like there's something jumping off the page, like the Holy Spirit's emphasizing, stressing something to me, I'm like, I believe God's speaking this to me. I want to write it down. And there's just something about writing it down. You, with a pen and paper, you expect God to speak, right? And for me, sometimes I can get easily distracted, so I want to have that where I'm like 
expecting God to speak. So the Bible is the second part. And then the third part is prayer. And this is where I just write down a few little details of what I'm praying about. Different people I'm praying for, for healings, maybe for, for different things going on in people's lives, our family. I just write that down. So here, here's a simple outline. Yesterday, Bible, prayer. And, and again, it's not about how much you write, but there's just something about that. And then for me, I also added this past year a, a prayer walk, a worship walk, while I walk in our neighborhood with, with worship music going in my ears, and I just spend time with the Lord. This morning, I had gloves on and a hat on. Yes, I was outside this morning early. It was cold. But you know what? I cherish that time. Look at this passage in, in Luke 10, starting verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That's a good thing right there. Look at what Mary's doing. She's sitting at the Lord's feet and she's listening to to what Jesus said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Don't miss this next part. You are what? Worried. We've just been talking about worry. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now I ask you, this is part of that personal self-evaluation. Okay, you're at church. This is between you and God. Who are you more like in this story? Mary or Martha? Are you so busy, maybe even busy for the Lord, but very distracted? Yeah, I always hear the pastor talking about quiet time. I don't have time for that. Again, this is so important. We put this as number one because it is so important. We spend time with the Lord. Martha was so busy doing activities, she was missing the most important thing was sitting at the Lord's feet. I love this principle. It's found throughout the scripture. And in Psalm 46, it says it as well. It says this, be still. And know that I am God. Are you taking time to be still? (coughs) Taking time for that, hearing that still small voice. Spending time with your Lord. He wants to spend time with you. But here's what I have found. And I found this in my own life. For many years, I was very distracted. And I, I didn't have a priority of spending time with the Lord. It wasn't like I was off in some big sin or anything. But I was distracted. Sometimes by good stuff. And I finally got to this point in my life like, I will miss a shower or a meal before I miss my time with the Lord. It's that important to me. And even if I have an early flight out of Orlando, early in the morning, and I have to get up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning, I'm going to spend time with God. It's that important. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All other things are going to go well for you or better for you. All other things will be added to you, as Jesus said. So that's the first thing. Seek or spend time with Jesus. Number two, 
gather to worship. By the way, great job. All of you who are here, you gathered to worship. This is such an important thing. Look what it says, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day coming. You know, the day coming, the Lord's return, judgment day. See, he wants us to come together to worship, but also to encourage one another. Those of you that are online, watching at home, I'm glad you're online. I'm glad you're, you're tuning in right now, because I know some of you can't be here. You would love to be here, but for various reasons, you can't. That's understandable. But if you're there for a convenience, I just want to encourage you to come. Do you know it used to be where people came to church one out of every two weeks? And there's statistics on this. Then it slipped to one out of every three. Do you know what it is now? Most Christians go to church one out of every four weeks. Sometimes it's kind of feel like I'm just checking in. And, and God wants us to come together. He said, some are in the habit of doing this. Don't do it. Come together. Worship. You know, Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. There's something special Yes, he's with all of us individually, but there's something special about the presence of God when we come together as a group. I remember what it was like during the pandemic when we had to shut things down and we were just doing church online. It was not the same, was it? Isn't it great that we can come together? Don't take that for granted. There are many places around the world where people would love to have the privilege that you have right now. They can't. They either have to go underground or that's not even available. So we have this awesome opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. Come together to worship. We worship the Lord. Number three, connect with community. I talked in the announcements about small groups starting in two weeks. But look at Acts 2.46. It says, every day, this is the early church, and so every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. So that was like their, their big group gathering where they had the apostles teaching, the temple courts. But then it says, then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See, small groups are so important. It's good to be together in the large groups, but then also you need the small groups. Small groups. When I was thinking about this, um, Sometimes I think people look at us pastors and say, well, you say that because you're the pastor. Well, half of my Christian life, I wasn't a pastor. But here's the thing. When I got saved, I got into a group right away. I was in a Bible study. I was at Iowa State University when I got saved. I met my wife, Barb, in a Bible study. Extra advantage of being in a group for all of you singles. Okay. Pretty soon, I'm leading a group. Barbara and I, I, I we got married. We, we ended up moving, moved in different cities. My career was taking me different places. We always were in groups. I was thinking about this. There's never been a time when we were in churches where we weren't in groups. Sometimes we led groups. Sometimes we attended groups. Sometimes I was in a men's group. Sometimes Barbara was in a women's group. Sometimes we were in mixed groups. When we moved to Florida... We didn't know a soul in the whole state of Florida. We found this church. I joined an early morning men's group. Barb joined a women's group. And we went to a, a, a mixed group on parenting. 
And pretty soon we were just meeting people in the church. And that's how we were developing relationships. It's so important that you have a group of people that can pray together, that you can do life together. We are not meant to do this on our own. What did Jesus do? He formed a group. He had his disciples. And there was also a bigger group of people. We know there were some ladies that were with them. Then he had the group of 70. He had groups of people. When he went on the Mount of Transfiguration, he took three people with him. The Apostle Paul, when he traveled, he always had groups with him. It's so important. There's a lot of different reasons. I don't want to take all the time just to talk about groups. But we have so many different opportunities here. Let's say you spent too much money during Christmas. Financial peace. Let's say you've had a loss, a loved one pass away in the past year. Grief share. Let's say you are struggling with an addiction or some habit or hang-up. Celebrate recovery. Or we have one step for men. We have all kinds of things. Let's say you're a widow. We have a widow's group. Let's say you, you love to come together and do crafts. We have crafts for missions and threads of comfort. We have grandmother's prayer support group. We have all kinds of different groups that are meeting, Bible studies, and general different uh, life uh, stage groups. So important. The group that Barb and I attend, we love our group. I'm not the leader of it. I didn't know most of the people when we joined that group. But we look forward to being in community. Can't do that with all people. But you can do that with a dozen people. So I just strongly encourage you to connect with community. Let's move on. Number four, fight for freedom. Look at Galatians 5.1. It says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. See, Jesus came to set us free. Forgive us of our sins. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know, because I've been doing this for a long time, there are many of you who are saved. You're going to heaven, but you're not free. God wants you free. As part of seeking Jesus first, seeking his kingdom first, is to be free, not letting things hold you back. For some of you, it's an addiction. We, as a church, we're here to help you. We have biblical counselors here, men and women. We have uh, support groups to help you. We want to come alongside and help you have freedom. But you have to want it. If you say, well, you know, it's, my thing doesn't hurt anybody, I guarantee you it hurts your relationship with God. That in and of itself should be a reason to get rid of it. So fight for freedom. Next, number five, join a serve team. Again, these are all ways that we can we put Jesus first. Is that we're serving, we're doing as he told us to, love other people. Look at 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received. You know, that shows me. We've all been gifted. We all have different talents and abilities. Use whatever gift you've received to serve ourselves. Is that what it says? No, serve others. We are to use what God has given to us to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, did Jesus model that for us? You know what Jesus said? He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. On the night in which he was betrayed, when he was in that upper room with the disciples, remember, he took the towel 
in the basin and he washed their feet. He says, I give you an example. Now you do this likewise. We are all called by the Lord to serve, to serve people. But this is what the sin nature wants. This is how you know if the sin nature is in charge of you. You want everybody to serve you. You want to be served. And you get really, really angry when people don't do it just right. We are called to be servants, serving the Lord. And you may say, how do we serve the Lord? By serving people. They're his people. Whether they're believers or not, we're called to serve. One of the things, ways that you can do that is joining a serve team here at the church. By the way, don't we have great guest services, people? Can we give them a hand? You know, we have all kinds of opportunities for you to serve here, but it doesn't have to be here at the church. You could serve. We have many ministries that serve outside the church, different outreaches. And some of you say, well, I don't want anything to do with the church. That's fine. You're still supposed to serve. Then go find another ministry outside of the church that's gospel-focused and find a place to serve there. We are all called to do it. That's how we were created. God wired us for that. And you'll never be all that God's called you to be until you serve. You know, we, this is, this is not, our life is not be about us. It's about God. So find a place to serve, and you will be so much happier. And you might say, I don't even know where to get, get started. Let me tell you, I told it to the other services. Tomorrow, call Steve Schlesinger here at the church. <laughs> He's our volunteer guy. And he must be up at VR this weekend because I didn't see him. He always sits down here. I haven't seen him at any of the services. I would love it if Steve got 100 phone calls tomorrow. <laughs> and you know what? I know Steve. He would follow up with every one of you. He would be glad to talk you through about asking you enough questions to help you find a place to serve and talk you through the process. You're not signing your life away anyway. We all can do it. We have a uh, couple thousand of you that right now are serving in one capacity or another. Right now, there's people serving our kids in the kids' ministry or in the youth ministry or in the cafe. People were serving you when you drove into the parking lot. People are serving right now by the cameras and in our production booth. We are a church made full of volunteers serving and, and helping advance the kingdom of God. And you know another advantage of a serve team is it's also a, like a community group. It's like being in a community. You will get to know people that way. You'll pray with people, and, and uh, they'll pray for you. Here's number six. Live on mission. Acts 1.8, Jesus, right before he ascended into heaven, I would say this is some of his most important words he wants to tell people because he's just getting ready to leave the earth. He tells his followers this. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. What Jesus is saying there is, I want to send you my Holy Spirit. I want you to be empowered by my Holy Spirit, not so that you, you can be weird. I want you to be empowered by my Holy Spirit to be a witness, not only where you live in your Jerusalem, but in the surrounding areas all the way throughout the whole world. We are called to live on mission, to take the gospel to the lost world around us. For some of you, your mission might be across the street. Some of you, it might be in your workplace or in your school, wherever God has you at. God has called us to be on mission, to represent him, to be a, his ambassador, his witness. You know, he, he said to go make disciples. 
And uh, he, he really emphasized that before he left. And that's what we're called to do, to live on mission. And the last thing here is invest your resources. Our resources could be our time, could be our talents and gifts, it could be our finances. Look what he says in Matthew 6. He said, don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. You know, by the way, it's not bad to save, okay? We should all have savings. Saving for retirement, saving to buy a home, saving for the future. You know, the Bible does talk about saving. But it doesn't, what he's not condoning is hoarding. Where we hoard because we don't have faith, where we hoard because of selfishness, he wants us to be generous. And so this is why he's telling his, his followers this, don't just store things up here on earth. Then he says, store up treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there the desires your heart will also be. What he wants us to do is be generous, to be givers. Give towards heavenly purposes. When you're giving towards a cause that's advancing the gospel, whether you give to your church, giving to missions, a mission organization, you're giving towards causes that are out there to reach the lost, to disciple people, to help people to know the Lord. This is what he's talking about. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is other people. And I think that's going to be an exciting part of when we get to heaven is all the conversations we're going to have with people. You know why I'm here today? Because you donated money and helped so that I heard the gospel and you had a part in that because of your giving. We're going to hear those conversations. Or you were were the one that talked to me about Jesus. And I I didn't show you any type of respect. I may have like showed you I wasn't interested, but you sowed a seed in my life. Those are the type of things that we're going to have that opportunity. As far as investing resources, I, I came across this story, true story. Uh, Norman Smith's here in this service who heads up our prison ministry. He was telling me, validating this. You know, we have a great prison ministry. They go to the penitentiary that's over on 528, the Correctional Institute over there uh, between here and Orlando. But they also go to Ocala. And they go there to the women's facility in Ocala. And they've been gathering a group of women together where they teach the word and they have church together like they do just like the one by Orlando. But he was telling me about there's four ladies who, well, you know, when, if they're a prisoner, you, get, you can have money sent to you. You can have money put in your account so you can buy certain things, maybe some toiletries, maybe some, some types of different little things that you can get. I don't know, all the types of things, maybe it's stamps for envelopes or whatever, but you can have money in your account. Four of these ladies in Ocala, out of the money that's given to them to put in their account, they tithe 10% back to Calvary Chapel in Melbourne. Isn't that incredible? What a blessing. And if a prisoner can tithe the little bit that they have back to the church, are you, oh, owe you a little faith, right? I mean, what do we, we, we should be the most generous, right? I don't give to get. I don't believe in that philosophy. That's selfishness. I don't give to get. You know why I give? Why I'm generous? I give out of response to what God has already done for me. He's been extremely generous for me. Why wouldn't I want to give back to him? And as I do that, I don't even think about it. The Lord just continues to pour blessing back. 
you will never outgive God. Am I right? And I know many of you know that. Some of you don't know that yet. Some of you are more generous with the barista at Starbucks than you are with your local church. That's sad, really. Be generous with the Lord. Watch what God will do. He, see, he really is not after your money as much as he's after your heart. And you know, sometimes you're holding on. In fact, past, pastor, move away from this topic. I don't even want you to talk about it. Okay? Well, it shows you that it's, it's become like a God to you. You can't serve both God and money. Jesus told us that. So really, this statement, I believe, is true. Look at it on the screen. Giving to the Lord is a measure of seeking and trusting Him. As we give to the Lord, it's really a measure of how we trust Him. Do you trust the Lord? You might say, oh, I trust the Lord. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. But I'm also trusting everything I have. You know, when when you're putting Jesus first, that means He's first in all areas of our lives, including our finances. Now I'm going to switch the topics on you a little bit. We talked about our prayer week is this week. We're going to talk about fasting. And I just want to take a moment to talk about fasting. It's not something we talk about very often. What I'm not talking about is is dieting. That's different. That's where you go without food or you change your diet to lose weight. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about biblical fasting. Why do we biblically fast? Well, let me just talk about fasting for a moment because it's another way that we can put Jesus first. First of all, Jesus fasted before he began his public ministry. Remember those 40 days in the wilderness he fasted. Nehemiah fasted before he went and asked for help for the king for, to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. He also fasted as he was repenting for the nation of Israel for their sins. David fasted to ask God to intervene because of injustice taking place. He did that in Psalm 35. Mordecai and the Jews, along with Esther, fasted when they heard of Haman's wicked plot for the, to wipe out the Jewish people. They got together and they fasted. The early church fasted while they worshipped and committed their ministry to the Lord. And they sought the Lord through fasting when they were looking for guidance and appointing new leaders. In fact, I have a verse. It's from the New Testament right here. Acts 13. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul, that's Paul, for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. You see, the early church saw the importance of fasting added to prayer. It's an important aspect. Sometimes people don't understand, well, why would I fast? That seems like, I don't want to fast. I don't think anybody wants to fast. But it's a, really, it's a part of our commitment to the Lord here. Uh, humble, when you come to God with fasting, you're, it's like a humble act to the Lord. I like what David said in Psalm 35. He says, I humbled myself with fasting. King David said that. When we fast, we allow the Holy Spirit to show us our, our true spiritual condition. Most of us are probably thinking that we're better than we really are. <laughs> and God might be needing to speak to us about some changes we need to make in our lives. But if we're so busy and we're so distracted, we may not hear that voice. Fasting will help you hear the voice of God. It will strengthen your faith. 
It will help your, you to be more mentally, spiritually, and physically sharp. And here's a big one. Oftentimes, people are more led by their physical desires than their spiritual. Okay? In other words, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. It's a physical desire. But what fasting does is I'm going to prioritize the spiritual over the physical. I'm going to choose to say no to that physical desire of food, and I'm going to put spiritual, my focus on God first. Now, there's many different ways to fast. I'm just going to quickly share uh, a, a few of them. One of them is a complete fast where you f- go without food. Okay, you Maybe drink water, juice, but no food. You could do it for a meal. You could do one meal a day. You could do, one me- do all meals for a day. I mean, you could do, but the only thing I say is if you have a medical condition, please consult your doctor. Okay, We don't want to be praying for healing at the same time. Okay, So uh, complete fast. Also, there's a partial fast. We see da- Daniel did this, where he, he went with just the, the vegetables and water and didn't eat the king's delicacies, you know, he didn't have meat. For some of you, you might choose to fast coffee. Now, I just don't want to be around you, but yeah, that's one thing you could do. Others of you, I don't have a problem fasting coffee because I don't drink it. But some of us need to maybe fast from our sweets. Ooh, yeah. See, there's things that you could do. Partial fast. Then there are other types of things you might fast from. Maybe from social media. Maybe from the news. Maybe from the internet. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But here's the purpose of it. You're putting God above yourself. You're saying, God, I'm coming to you humbly. I I want to add this to my prayer time. And I have this statement up on the screen just so you're very clear. We're not trying to, you know, twist God's arm into answering our prayers. So look at this. Fasting is not about us changing God. It's about God changing us. Am I right? So as we fast, as we go into this prayer week, look for God to do some special things in your lives. I believe whatever level you're at spiritually in your relationship with the Lord, I believe it's going to go up as you're putting God first, as you're you're praying, as you're fasting, as you're coming together corporately, we come together as a church body and pray over different things. You're going to watch yourself grow spiritually. And you know what I also believe? As you put Jesus first, some of the other things that maybe you're struggling with in life, some of those distractions, the Martha distractions, you're going to find like, wow, Things just seem to go a lot better this week. Things seem to, get, seem to fall in place a lot better. Amen? Amen? So I leave you with this one last question. You see it up on the screen. Is there anything holding you back from having Jesus first in your life? Every one of us need to evaluate that. Is there anything right now in your life? You don't have to tell anybody. God already knows. Is there anything holding you back from having Jesus first in your life? And are you willing to deal with that? Are you willing to make a commitment of having Jesus first in your life? For some of you, it may be, he's not even been my Lord and Savior. I need to to invite the Lord to be my Lord and Savior. For others of you, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. But you're not being all that God's called you to be. You know that Jesus isn't first in your life. You're all distracted, and everything else seems to be a priority. 
Would you stand with me? And as we worship, this is a different type of closing. We, always, we don't do things always the same way, but this is a different type of closing. Here's what we're going to do. As we, as we sing this song, I'm going to invite, and we had the altar full of people in the last two services. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar if you want to make this commitment that you, you, you're saying to the Lord, there's something that's been holding me back. I want to commit to putting Jesus first. I know he's not first in my life right now. I believe in him. I know he, I'm saved, but I need to make a new, fresh commitment to the Lord. And if that's you, as we sing this song, just come on down. If you're up in the balcony, make your way on down. You can come down these stairs. We'll figure out a way, or you can go down the back. But I want you to come, because we're going to pray for you. We're going to have our prayer team down here as well. You don't have to tell them anything, but we just are here to pray. So let's worship. And as we're worshiping, just make your way down here, making Jesus first in our lives. Amen? I know there's many more of you, and some of you, you're, you're letting your fear, you're letting your pride hold you back. Don't let that. That's the enemy trying to say, no, 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 I can just take care of it. There's something special about a holy moment like this, where you're making this commitment. You're making this commitment even in front of other people. Don't worry about the other people. This is friendly people here. We all love you, and we're proud of the people who are making these decisions right now. But I just want to encourage you to come. If you're in the commons, make your way in here. Like I said, if you're in the balcony, make your way. If you're, if you're part of our prayer team, you can make your way up here as well. For some of these people, you just lay your hands on them and pray over them as they're coming and making these type of decisions. This is an important moment in people's lives. Okay? Just encourage you. Let's continue to sing as people are making this decision right now. team just kind of spread around here are there others yeah good come on good job
Proud of you, man. That's good. I know there's still more people coming. And I don't want to cut this time short for, for the sake of the people that are making this type of commitment. For some, I don't know what it might be. And I know I've, I've had to do this type of thing in my past. Where I've had things that are distracting me, holding me back. And it's like, I want to go all in for Jesus. And God is saying that some of you, like, this has been hold, this is holding you back. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Maybe it's worry like we've just been reading about. Maybe it's the distractions of life like Martha was going through. But we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray for all of you, but I'm going to pray specifically also for these that have come down forward. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for these that are making this commitment to you today. Lord, they're willing to give up whatever is holding them back. That they are declaring that Jesus is first in their lives. And they want to live for, for the Lord. They don't want to be distracted by worries and other things in life. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them. Give them that power of the Holy Spirit to help them as they're making this commitment to you today. For all of us here today, whether they're online or here in the sanctuary in the commons, for all of us, Lord God, help us to have you first, Jesus. Help us to live our life always mindful that you're with us, that you're for us, that you're our God, and that we can live for you. We want to live for you. We want you number one in our lives. And as we put you number one, Lord, help us in all the other aspects of our life. Help us to use our life for your purposes, that we're your servant. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. For those that are down front, if you could just hang for a moment here. If you have anything that one of our uh, prayer team can pray for you about, they would love to. The rest of you, as you're exiting, first of all, if you signed up for pizza on a with a pastor, you can make your way on up there. It's above the cafe. Our offering boxes are by the doors for your giving to the work of the Lord here. If you are new and you want to learn more about the church, go out to our information center. We also have our group people out there where you can sign up for groups, learn about groups in the commons. Uh, thank you all for being here. God bless you. You're a wonderful church.